Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to a Super Bowl edition of the CMYK Talk podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Uh, As you probably know, uh, this past weekend, however, whenever you're listening to this, February 2nd, there was the Super Bowl. And so we had a uh, gathering planned, but we decided, you know, there's just a reality that we're probably going to not see very many people there because most people want to just watch the game, eat some food and commercials. I wouldn't show up. So we thought we'd do something different for this uh, weekend, and that is for myself, Matt, and this lovely man. Hey, it's me. <laughs> it's Seth Hirschhorn. Uh, that we're going to sit and kind of have a conversation about one of the, I, th- I think, one of the more interesting stories that's found in the New Testament, and uh, just have that conversation. So before we jump into it, though, I quickly want to mention that this upcoming Sunday, if you're listening to this in the calendar week, we release it, February 9th, we are also having another week off from our gathering. So the next gathering that we're going to be back at Craft Local is going to be Sunday, February 16th, where we continue on with this series. So I think Craft Local's been going great. I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed it there. It's been fun. Yeah, it's kind of a cool space. So all that to say... Uh, Take next Sunday off. Take a day, rest and play. Have all the joy and fun and life that you could desire, hopefully in a 24-hour period, because that's what that day is for. And then uh, we'll be back on the 16th. So, yeah. Seth, how are you, my friend? I'm a little sick. Me too. Yeah, I'm a little sick. That's okay. We'll get through this. Are you on cold meds or non-cold meds? No, I like to just let my body fight it naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I see to that. see if I'm strong or yeah, weak. Yeah, I can see how much your I'm body's weak. fighting right now. Because <laughs> if I'm weak, my bloodline is weak and I deserve to die. <laughs> Survival of the fittest. Like it, it is an int- that would be an interesting conversation at some point. I think how much society has changed because of our desire to to save everyone and everything. Well, yeah, and how comfortable we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, all right, but that's not the conversation we're here to have no, at all. So, Seth, there's this story uh, we've been talking talked about a lot of different stories that we could possibly do. But I presented this one to you because it's something that I've been thinking about, uh, in particular for the last kind of season of time, um, and I thought it would be an interesting conversation to have with you. It's found in Acts chapter 15, and the heading on the story is called The Council at Jerusalem. Um, and the idea is that if you if you are kind of new to this Christianity or God, Jesus, Bible stuff, there's this kind of trajectory that the scriptures have had, that there was these people known as God's people, uh, the Jewish people. They were found in the land of Israel, the Israelites. So you've probably heard all of these different labels for these people, but they were always God's chosen people within the scripture in the Old Testament. And it all revolved around uh, their bloodline, tribalism, that you were born into this family, and by being born into this family, you are God's chosen people, God's chosen race to bring salvation to planet Earth would be their kind of language and idea that they bring. We find it all over the New Testament. <clears throat> and and so within this, if you were not born into this tribe and family, it was very, very difficult for you to find that kind of heading or label for your life that you are God's chosen person or people or family because you're not a Jew. And so they had this ritual that you could go through that you would find yourself within the fold of the Jewish people. And it was this ritual known as circumcision. Seth, would you like to take a minute and describe in detail circumcision or do we want to just trust that everybody knows what we're talking about? Being an amateur uh, circumciser. Um, I would love to describe 
the process for you. <laughs> All right. But here's what I find really fascinating about it. So most of these circumcisions, so circumcision is something that still exists in our culture today. Uh, and there's different reasons and thoughts behind that. Um, again, this is not the time to have that conversation. But what I find really fascinating is these are grown men uh, that are coming and saying, I want to be a part of this family and of this tribe. And so as a grown man, you're going through this process of circumcision. So that's crazy on some levels. There's different points in the Old Testament. Some people were like, could God change his mind again, like in Exodus 32? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, like, why didn't he change his mind about this one? <laughs> this one seems like a, a much better one to yeah. change your mind. Um, so it's really interesting because there are these, a couple times in the Old Testament where there's like multitudes of people that are getting circumcised at, at the same time. Like, it's, that's a weird, it's just crazy. That's a party. Yeah. Eh, and that's not my party. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's a weird thing from the standpoint of you want to be in this club or in this group or in this tribe so much that you're willing to go through that ritual, go through circumcision as a grown man yep. uh, for the sake of being on the inside. Because you're not on the outside. You weren't born into the tribe, born into the family. And so you want to be on the inside. So that's like the the groundwork of what it took to be a part of the Jewish people, the Jewish tribe, in a lot of ways. There's a lot of other laws and different things that are happening, but quick, that was the big deal. Quick side question. I don't know if you can answer it or not, but if the because it's a very patriarchal society, uh-huh. if the father went through that, did that bring the whole family in? From my understanding, yeah. Oh, okay. I'd have to go back and, like, I haven't spent a lot of time. I mean, I assume the boys had, the, the young boys yeah. would eventually have to go through it also. Yeah, all the males in the household. Okay. Yeah. But that was like a, it like covered the females mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah. So they... So this this is the groundwork for what it took to be a part of this tribe. And then this guy Jesus comes along and um, who is Jewish? Who is Jewish? He's a part of the bloodline. He's part of he's part of the tribe, part of the family. And he comes along and and he starts communicating and speaking about a message that is like on a more global scale, I would say a more humanist kind of language than we've we have seen before in the Old Testament that he starts interacting with people outside of the Jewish bloodline. He helps, he serves, he performs miracles for people outside of the Jewish bloodline. He talks about things like uh, loving your enemy, praying for those that persecute you. You know, there's moments when, like, at, at this time, the Jewish people are under the foot of the Roman government and empire, and he, like, helps centurions and soldiers, like, people that... They have literally been responsible for the suffering of his own family and Tax tribe. Tax collectors. Yep. And yeah. he and he comes in and like cares for them, serves them, like has this message of hope and love and grace for them as well. And so it's this really interesting thing that I see that no rather than being centered on this is the tribe and trying to get people into the tribe, Jesus seems to be more externally focused on those uh, inside the tribe, yes, but also outside the tribe. The, again, like this humanist message that everybody is invited to be a part of this stuff. Every, it's not just God's chosen people. It's everybody is welcome to open their eyes and see the reality of God, Jesus' words, the kingdom of God is at hand, these kinds of things. So then it takes this interesting turn, which gets us to Acts 15. So Jesus leaves, and he leaves um, his small group of followers to continue on in what he's always been about. And as they do that, God, the spirit, the divine continues to move and more and more people are coming into this idea, this, what we would call a better way forward, these teachings of Christ and, and looking to apply these teachings and this community life to their own lives, that they want to be a part of this thing. 
And more than ever before, we're seeing it's not just this tribe and, and family, Jewish people that are, are finding this, but it's everybody. And, and God and the Spirit is moving and working among Roman citizens. They would call them Gentiles, people outside of the Jewish faith. And it's all over the place. It's happening. Like, it's a, if you've read Acts at all, you see over and over and over again where God, the divine, continues to move and work outside of the Jewish family and Jewish faith. And, and then this is what I love. In Acts chapter 15, they, this council at Jerusalem, all the Jewish leaders get together and they basically have this conversation and this meeting of like, okay, it seems like the boundary lines have moved and God is moving outside of the Jewish, like it's already happening, but then they have to have this conversation like, is that okay? <laughs> can, can God do that? Is it okay for the divine to actually be working outside of our own structures and family and tribal? And, and there's almost this like, he did it, but are we allowed to do it? Yeah. Like, because yeah. he was God, we're not. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like this divine stuff is way bigger than any one of our, like, one tribe's ideas or thoughts. But are we okay with that? Mm-hmm. Is that is that okay for us? And so that that's what we find in, in Acts chapter 15. And, and I love, I actually want you to read that one text you were just reading beforehand, because they come to this decision. There's some debate, there's some back and forth, and it really comes down to kind of four, four big things, just so everybody knows, and then I'll have Seth, you read that. So the four big things are, okay, so God is moving and working outside of our own tribe. Is that okay? It looks like it's happening, so it's got to be okay. Yeah. But how, how do we make it okay for them to, to call them our own or to call them a part of this in crowd? Because before, we always had these clear lines. So one of the clear lines is, well, they have to be circumcised still. And again, a Gentile was probably not circumcised, so a grown man, a household, is probably coming into circumcision. Uncircumcised Philistine, I'll tell you what. I mean, that is, if you've ever been to a church service where, uh, you know, raise your hand at the end of the church service if you want to follow Jesus, like, that's a horrible follow-up letter that you get from the church of like, thank you for accepting Jesus as your Savior. We've made your appointment at Billy's Clinic on Wednesday morning at 8.30. For you and your household to show up. Yeah, that, like that's a horrible like way to go. God is moving and working. You're now a part of this stuff. Nah, but now you got to get also circumcised. Gonna chop part of you yeah. off. If yeah. you really, really want to be a part of this, if you want to be on the in crowd, this is what you got to do. So mm-hmm. cir- circumcision was one. The other one was the law. So Jewish customs had all of these laws that okay, you have to follow all of these laws, and when you follow all these laws, you're going to be great. And which it's a lot of laws. It's a lot of it's laws. A lot of, yeah. And then there was this third camp of of and this is where actually we see some New Testament writers as they progress, they get to this place of like, no, it's all grace, is they would is what they would say. Like it's just Christ had this work on the cross that, you know, sacrificial system is no longer a part of this thing. So why would we ask them to sacrifice to be a part of this thing? They're just already in because of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. So you're in. So there's these like three distinct camps. And then this fourth camp would be like an amalgamation of some of those things, but not all, like just trying to figure it out as they went. Mm-hmm. But those were kind of the, 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 the four big things that we see happening at this council in Jerusalem. And yeah. so they come to this place and Seth, go. Well, then they scale it all back <clears throat> and it says, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. Uh, from, for from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, and he has read every Sabbath in the synagogues. So we go from a lot of laws and circumcision, mm-hmm. and this weird mix of Jewish tradition mm-hmm. to four things. Yep. 
And what were those four things? Read them again. Um, abstain from the things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from what has been strangled, and from blood. And so I think it's like it's some dietary stuff, yep. right? Yep. Sexual immorality, uh, dietary stuff, and then, yeah. So here's what I find so fascinating in the conversation I want to have with you about all of this. There is this common thread throughout our humanity, whether it's uh, through patriarchy, tribalism, um, whatever it is, nationalism, to, to create these in crowds, these ideas of what it means to be chosen, selected, you are now on the in crowd. Mm -hmm. And in that, you have those that are with you, and then you have those on the outside, and potentially, particularly in tribalism, those are against you, like you've got to take over them. And here is this movement where all of a sudden, this stuff, it's it's no longer working to just take out those on the outside. And it's no longer working to create some kind of boundary and barrier to get those on the outside to come on the inside. It's just trying to say, how do we get everybody to wake up to this stuff? No matter where they are, no matter what their belief system, what kind of family they come from, like there's something happening here. Again, God has already been moving on the outside. There's something happening here. And we just want to make sure that we're making this as easy for everybody to come and be a part of this thing as possible. It's crazy to me because... How many, for me, like how many times do I still find my own life putting up some sort of barrier or some sort of boundary for those that are on the inside? And and I see the same value or significance for who they are because of, you know, that they need to come on to, it's not circumcision, but they need to think like I think, believe like I believe, act like I yeah. act. Like they need to do these things and come sacrifice parts of themselves, their personality and their life to then be on the in camp with me compared to, no, it seems like God's already moving and working around right. all of this. It's just a really fascinating thing. It's a thing great for line me. from East of Eden where um, Steinbeck says, people like you to be something, generally what they are. Mm-hmm. Because I think those boundaries and definitions help, they, I think they help put us at rest or at peace of like, we have a definition of what's in and out and we can point to it, we can call it what it is, and therefore we can define it. And mm-hmm. we know clearly if you're in or out. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that all over our lives. Yeah. I, I, the number of relationships I've had where maybe there's a like a personality difference, and I just wish that I could change that person to be more like me, my mm-hmm. personality, because then I would want to hang out with them and be around them more. Yeah. Rather than seeing them and their uniqueness and who they are, Like I, I just want them to be on the inside and go through this kind of process. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I, I think about it like... You know, I've got a, I've got some really, really close friends, and there's always that person you meet. Like, if they could just be a little more like person X, then we mm-hmm. could get along just a little mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Or if they didn't like this thing, like didn't have this thing about them, then mm-hmm. we could really hit it off. So it, it's fascinating to me because this whole like Christ narrative, in some ways, is trying to tear down these boundaries and barriers and walls that we set up. Yeah, it just scaled back the parameters for being a part of the community. Yep. A lot. A heck of a lot mm-hmm. compared to what it had been historically. Right. And again, it's because, I just find it so fascinating, it's because the church is having to wake up to the fact that like God is already moving and working outside of these boundary lines. Like, yeah. He, he's ahead of where we are on this already. So we, we've got to play catch up in some ways. Yeah. And he, he left the weird task of like, go do as I've done. Mm-hmm. It, and so it's, mm-hmm. it's just really fascinating to me that here's this moment where... It's apparent that the divine is moving and working outside of the boundary lines that we set. 
but yet how closed off I still have the tendency to be because I create these boundaries and expectations for other people to live, act, believe, you know, think certain ways. And that's where the divine is. That's what the in crowd is. That's where mm-hmm. God is found. Meanwhile, here's the story in scripture that's it's really found time and time again where God is actually moving outside of those boundary lines. And am I willing to be like this council of Jerusalem to wake up and see like, oh, no, God's moving over there in that belief system and structure with that narrative and that story and that mystery and that idea. And, and rather than being closed off to those things, am I willing to be open to those things and then see potentially like they do here at this Jerusalem council, my boundary lines actually move for what it means for somebody to be in, to right. be a part of this divine work and life. Yeah. That, that's where this story comes alive for me because I know what it's like, particularly, you know, in previous work that I was in to create some very defined who's in and who's out and my job and my role is to get more people in period yeah rather than okay maybe this stuff is bigger and moving all over the place this divine work is happening all over the place and it's my job to actually like wake up to and try to maybe move the boundaries to see where it's actually already happening rather than create some clear defined lines. Yeah, you make me think um one of our one of our listeners from Colorado Springs is Jake Bone. Um <laughs> so Jake, how are you, bud? Um uh, back when I worked in the youth group, Jake was one of my leaders and we 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 had this we had this uh this phrase that we coined because one day he storms into my office all flustered and and, and uh he's just talking about this idea of like, you know, uh, boxing off the divine yep. because for, for Jake, that just didn't work. Like Jake was always like, God's too big for that. And, um, we had this phrase of like, what's in the fence. <laughs> so, um, we just had this, like this imagery that like we, we live on this beautiful homestead with this fence, but we always want the property to get bigger, to include more things, like to invite more people to live mm-hmm. on the property, if you will. And so whenever Jake and I were up against a wall or a problem, we just look at each other and be like, well, what's in the fence? And does the fence need to move? And one of the things we had in particular is um, uh, we had this interesting little group of like LGBTQ plus students that felt safe at our youth group. And I was like, cool, they exist here. But we always felt this pressure at times from leadership for them to be like, well, you need to address that. Like Mm -hmm. you need to talk about the parameters around that. And and I never did because I I was just for me it was enough that they were there and felt loved and comfortable. But I understood I understood the pressure that my bosses were putting on me of like, we have boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like we have defined the parameters by which people are in and out. So you need to talk about those. And I never felt comfortable doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I, that's a good picture of the, just the, the fence needs to move. Yeah. Make like, the property bigger. Make the property bigger. Like, and, and to go to that, the Acts 15, like, so that you have this property and let's say it's a thousand acres of property, just for this example, but you have fenced off, three acres as like, this is it. Meanwhile, you actually own a thousand acres. Right. Like, what do you like? Just, just get, let it get, happen. just get rid of that fence and let it like, you have a thousand acres. Mm-hmm. Why are you not living on enjoying the fruits of, and being a part of partaking in this thousand acres? Yeah. And like, it's, it's a similar idea when I think we create these boundaries of this is where God is. This is what the chosen people look like and how they act and believe and talk. 
Meanwhile, God is already like there's a thousand acres out there that God's already moving and working in, and I'm just sitting in my three acre patch trying right. to get more people to come. Like, no, just it, exp- but on the flip side, you, the might, fence. you might think your three acres is pretty luxurious, exactly, because you don't know about the yep. thousand acres. Yeah, and I wonder that too. I wonder if things like parameters, there's certain brain types that require these parameters, for sure, or, or, or even more strict ones like. Uh, let's take the more maybe <clears throat> strict religious traditions that seem like they still cling to a lot of law mm-hmm. to follow. Like I think about the type of person who just requires those things to be able to exist in it. Yeah. And so I, I think that's interesting that I don't, I don't want to belittle the people who maybe require a lot of, yeah. a lot less acreage to yep. be able to exist that the thousand acres are uncomfortable and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But like for them, three is plenty. Yeah. <clears throat> But again, that's the fascinating thing about this Acts 15 story for me is they, they were – so they, they didn't tear down the, the fences altogether. There's mm-hmm. still these four things that they say we want people to be a part of. And so less, a lot less stringent than it has been in the past. But their recognition that God is already moving and working outside of the boundaries. Right. These people had not been circumcised. These people are not following the law. These people – like all of the things that they expected to see God move and work – was happening outside of their boundaries and their ability to see it. Yeah. And which is a complex thought. It's huge. To hit a point where it's like God's much bigger than yep. I thought it was. And I think so candidly, this is a lot of some of my own personal journey when it comes to the issue of LGBTQ and and you know, the choice for me and for CMYK to become an open and firming space was looking at the boundary lines that I had created around that concept. Mm-hmm. And seeing the divine work of God moving and working in the lives of students and people and friends and family, just being like, this doesn't feel like, like, I feel like I'm having to deny some things that are actually here. And again, there are people that might think differently than me on that, but that really was a path for me to then study the scriptures and go down the path that I did (laughs) to land where I'm landing. But it was moments like this Acts 15 moment of seeing, okay, there's things happening outside the fence, like you were talking about. Maybe I need to move the fence um, yeah. because I, I feel like I'm missing out on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's foreign and scary. Yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to do that. So <clears throat> uh, the the question for me is why? So this happened a couple thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Why do we still find this um, to be the case where we feel like we need to keep? building fences or barriers or boundaries for who's in and who's out. And, and for me, I'll just, I'll just kind of say the two things that I think of and then let you kind of feedback or tell me I'm wrong on it. It's fine. But the, the, the first one is I think when we have a clearly defined boundary line and we get someone to, to cross that boundary line, I feel like I'm winning. Like my belief system, my Mm -hmm. ideas, my thoughts are winning. So just take, evangelical kind of church model and structure. If I'm sitting in a church service and I've already made a decision to follow Jesus and pray to prayer, and and I hear that someone else is making a decision to follow Jesus and they're praying a prayer, it feels like I'm winning because more people are in my team and my camp because they're going through the process of what I went through. And so I'm winning. The other thing that I think why I continue to find these boundaries and barriers revolves around just the concept of sacrifice. Like if I have to be circumcised as a full-grown male and then someone else doesn't have to be sacrificed as a full-grown male, all of a sudden my sacrifice is cheapened. Yeah, you know someone pulled Paul, pulled Paul aside and was like, listen, pal. <laughs> hey, uh, buddy, I'm still healing I, down there, I know, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know you're God's guy and all, but this is You have is no some... idea what they did to me. <laughs> 
Uh, and so, Show me on the doll where they <laughs> circumcised you. <laughs> so it's just this interesting thing because I do the same thing in my life. Obviously not circumcision, but like a sacrifice that I've made in business, let's say, that I have gone through this process, and then I watch someone else be successful, and they don't sacrifice like I sacrifice. They don't have the down, the hardships, and you know the downturn or whatever that that I had to experience. There's a part of me that like feels like that's not legit. Yeah, that's not winning. It's I'm not winning because I've went. Yeah, like I'm actually on the in crowd and doing it right because I've sacrificed, and that happens in marriage relationships. Like watching the way we interact with other married couples that just seem happy all the time, and they haven't gone through the sacrifice that I have gone mm-hmm. through. Whatever it is. Like, I want to validate my sacrifice by forcing you to go through the same level of sacrifice. Yeah. So yeah. Th- I think, th- for me, those are the two reasons why I think we continue to build these barriers and walls and kind of fight for them in our life. Yeah. Which you make me think about, I, I don't know how much I can speak to the winning one. Like, I think it just feels good. Yeah, like you said, when more people are a part of something you're a part of. Yeah. Like, no, no one wants to be at the party alone. Yeah. You know, like we all want, and we want the people we love to be a part of it with us. Like I remember being a part of the evangelical camp and just begging God to bring in my friends because I just loved them and I wanted them to experience life as I'm experiencing it because I thought my way of life was superior Mm -hmm. in some way. Um, The second piece of that though is really interesting to me. Like there's this desire for like, you know, I, I think, I think you've hit two sides of the same coin where there's like this, there's this affirmation of winning of, we're growing it. It's getting bigger. People are here. People I love. This is awesome. But there's also this like tragedy in the sacrifice of like, well, they're not like part of it is the sacrifice. Like they should go through what I've gone through, but it's also like, man, what if they miss out? Mm-hmm. Like, what if they don't get to be a part of this? I remember, I don't know why this story just comes to mind, but we were just out of high school and I had a couple friends who'd been converted to Christianity and were just on fire for the Lord and Kanye West level. <laughs> you, yeah. Bought a ranch and everything. Um, we're sitting in a, we, a bunch of our friends, uh, you know, we're 18 and 19 and one of our buddies gets a four bedroom condo. And so that's where we all hung out all the time. We're like a town home or something like that. Um, and one night we're there and we have a Jewish friend named Eric show up and we're sitting there talking. And my other friend, Brian, I remember him like, crying, begging, weeping into the night that Eric would come into our fold. And I don't think it was about the winning piece. I think it was about kind of the sacrifice piece and like Eric's missing out right now. Like, like I remember his words through tears and we were all just sitting around watching kind of a, kind of, and I wasn't chiming in much because I was like, I can't contribute to this. But um, Brian was like, I don't want to see you go to hell. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's like, that's a guy who wants the best for his friend. Yeah. It's true. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and I'm, I mean, I look at my own life and I think you would be the same way. When we were very driven on the evangelical model of trying to bring more people into the fold, it was because we actually loved people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember the, the tears I would shed for friends because I, th- I had this belief system that said they're going to go to hell if I don't convince them to pray a prayer Yeah, kind of thing. <clears throat> at, the, uh, at the Western Wall in Israel. I've got these little stations where you can write on a piece of paper. And so people will write their prayers on a paper and fold them up and slip them into the wall. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I remember when I went with a large group of Bible college students, their prayers were just lists of people. Yeah. Like I, I noticed just that there was a difference in the types of prayers between like, it seemed like the Jewish men down there were not writing prayers of like they were writing different prayers, but all of the evangelical prayers seem to be like people that would be converted. Yeah. Because there's a love and a passion for these yeah. people to see them 
succeed as they have succeeded, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that, um, so I still think that, uh, I do believe that we love them, your friends, like there is a genuine love behind that yeah. kind of process to to work to bring somebody into the fold. I would never challenge that. I think it, that is true yeah. in many ways, honest in, in their approach to that. I do think, however, that part of our passion behind that is it, it is a validation for our own our own beliefs. Um, it's just a natural thing. It's con- it's consumerism on some levels from the standpoint of if I buy this pair of shoes and then I see someone else bought that pair of shoes, I feel like yep, I'm I'm in I'm on the inside because right. I've got the you know same with car. You buy a car, all of a sudden you see those cars everywhere because all of a sudden you start to recognize you're, you're, in. Feeling, you're in. Yeah. Um, so I think there is an element to that. Is there also a reinforcement of the parameters that you've set? Yep. Like, so you, you've set the parameters of what you believe. And if you invite someone into that, it just reinforces that you made the right yep. ones. I, yes, totally, yeah. completely. And I, and I would, um, particularly in our current connected age and culture where we can see other people uh, outside of our boundaries more than ever before, see and experience and read about other belief systems and those kinds of things more than ever before in humanity. Like w- when it, it allows you to begin to potentially question your own boundaries. Like, is, is this an okay boundary? Is this fine? You know, am, am I? And then you see someone agree with you on those boundaries. It feels like, yep, this is right. Mm-hmm. This is good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of church camp in a, in a lot of ways. You yeah. go to church camp, you have some boundaries to find. All of a sudden you get, couple hundred students and kids that are all like, yeah, we love, these are the good boundaries. We like these. And all of a sudden you feel like we're winning. This yeah. is, this is right. So that's, that's some very tribalistic, yeah, yeah, deep tribalistic mentality stuff. So for me, what this story does is like invites me to see that in myself. Mm-hmm. And then like, if I genuinely love that person, maybe love is not always trying to force someone into circumcision to be a part of the in crowd or whatever my boundary is. Maybe love is a moment like this at the council of Jerusalem to say like, okay, it seems like God is moving and working outside of my boundaries. Let's have a conversation Mm -hmm. because I love you. I believe that there is this value, intrinsic value in your humanity and who you are. And that in the midst of that, that the divine God reality is moving and working and the loving act is to work to see that in you, not to try and force you to come into my boundaries. Yeah, it's like we see you outside of the fence, so we're going to move our fence mm-hmm. outside of you. Mm-hmm. Like Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that sets up some natural tension. Yep. Because even though this council dropped a majority of the requirements to be a part of this faith tradition, mm-hmm. they still set boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like there are still boundaries there by which they are operating. Mm-hmm. So what's the purpose of that? Yep. So we talked about this, and I love that you brought it up because I find this really fascinating. Mm-hmm. When I was kind of digging into this uh, in Acts chapter 15 in this story, there's a lot of different theologians and scholars that talk about these four things that the, that, uh, the Council of Jerusalem set up as like bottom rung, four basic tenets, mm-hmm. and, and that it had very little to do, it had nothing to do, in fact, with salvation or value for who that who that person was. In other words, doing these four things doesn't bring more value to who you are or bring salvation to your life. That's not what these were about. But these four things were about finding community connection or belonging within a group of people. Right. That this is a Jewish way of life to go about these four basic, you know, bottom rung principles. These are not high level hard things. This is just like, you know, in our in our 
culture would be don't be a dick, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't be a dick, and now you're you, we can be friends. We can be in. This is from their religious perspective and cultural perspective, the the level of okay, do these four things, and we can find community and we can find connection. So the, there's this difference between uh, salvation and belonging, or value and connection, as as I would say it. Yeah. And and this is what I find really fascinating about this is. All of a sudden, the fences have moved. So value is found in anyone, everywhere. But it's also recognizing that that some boundaries can be helpful, like you've already talked about earlier. They can be helpful, not for the sake of speaking value to somebody, mm-hmm. but speaking connection to somebody. So the idea then, <clears throat> if I'm hearing you correctly, is the idea is that the, their, their Messiah, Jesus, mm-hmm. already paved the way that all creatures have value. Yep. But we do need some form of definition for the sake of connection. Yep. Because, yeah. Which I think, like, I I totally agree with that. It mm-hmm. makes sense. There are some rooms that I walk into, and I I don't have connection there. Right. And it's not because anybody's being malice towards me or, you know, speaking ill of my value. It's just, I, I'm... I'm not in this camp. I don't know what's happening right. here. You know, if I went to a CrossFit gym, it would just, I wouldn't know what to do with myself, <laughs> you know, at all. Because What's a burpee? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I get those after I eat at the buffet. <laughs> do you guys have a buffet? Uh, just be a bunch of paleo stuff, which bacon, I think the nice. bacon. That's nice. But I find it really fascinating because their boundaries are... Helpful, helpful in a, in defining connection, and so today's the Super Bowl. Like there are boundaries at some parties of like this. These are Forty Nine er fans. These are Chief fans, yeah. and you find and they're silly boundaries. Yes, <clears throat> it's a it's a, a weirdly shaped ball trying to move across an imaginary line. Like it's a weird concept. The line is on the screen now, Matt. You can it's still imaginary, see the yellow line. but somebody it's there, somebody somewhere decided that was a line that we needed to get that ball across. Yeah. It's still a made up pretend thing. It is, which is fine. I'm, I'm nothing against football, but it's just like this is an agreed upon boundary. If you like this red and white team, then you're in. If you like this red and white team, then you're in. Mm-hmm. And it's just like. Okay, and it and it allows for you. I mean, for you to go to a Super Bowl party and identify with your team is going to have you have a different kind of connection and a different kind of experience with something like a f- football. Yeah, and I think the same is true in life. For me to identify, okay, it doesn't speak value to other people, but here is some language or here are some ideas that I do resonate with, I do connect with, I do cheer for, and am about, and to find connection with others around those things. That's a helpful, healthy thing. And when you think about it that way, the fact that, you know, they really only picked four things, which yep. are don't eat food offered to idols, no sexual immorality, no, don't eat anything that was like strangled and don't consume the blood kind yep. of thing. Like when you consider that those are the only things mm-hmm. that they say, everything else we can get a like, like these yep. are our parameters and our boundaries. Yep. They made an insane level of room for connection. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Like insane. Yeah. I mean, what if uh, I think about, you know, family dinner tables with two different political parties present mm-hmm. uh, and ideas present or different religious ideas present, whatever. And it, like, if we just went back to those four basic things of like, hey, just as long as there's no fornication, no food sacrifice to idols, no, you know. <sighs> what a boring dinner. <laughs> well, no, but the idea of like, if, if you're not doing those things, I won't do those things and we can find connection. Yep. Like, that's crazy because 
we could connect with everybody in, in a lot of ways. Con- in, yeah. in a lot of ways, you could connect around almost everything. <laughs> but what we've done, to go back to what we are talking about earlier, is we've created all these other boundaries. You voted for who, mm-hmm. you believe what, you yeah. go where, you know, the, you read what, you know, whatever it is. And we, we create those boundaries, uh, continue to create those boundaries. You make me think, we've read Sapiens. Mm-hmm. And so like he talks about that, that, that thing where hunters and gatherers, once the tribe grows to 150, that's that magic number. They either have to split in two mm-hmm. and go start over, yep. regrow, or they have to find something bigger to Mm-hmm. You'd be unified around yep. some sort of bigger idea. Yep. And usually that idea was, you know, religion, political, religious, yep. social, but the same thing is true here. But like, I, I feel like it's almost the opposite is what they're trying to do. Like, okay, we want our tribe to be big. And so let's pick just some, some things that we care about mm-hmm. and go, let's all be a part of it mm-hmm. and let the tribe get as big as it needs to be. Yeah. So it, it's a really, I love this story in Acts 15 because of its invitation to like move the fence as you were talking about. I've got to see that the divine is, there's a thousand acres here. Mm-hmm. The divine is moving and working. Why am I just living on three acres? So be willing to move the fence. At the same time, there is some value in me defining what resonates, what what is significant for me. Yeah. And I can keep that fence as low as humanly possible, mm-hmm. like the Jewish, like the Jews do in Acts 15, but that's still good. So I think of uh, CMYK, mm-hmm. like one of the things or accusations that I've had thrown multiple times at me for CMYK is because of our belief, or I'll just speak for me, because of my belief in a text like Acts 15 to say like, let's let's lower the fence. Everybody's in, everybody's welcome. Our choices on, uh, you know, being fully affirming uh, towards LGBT uh, folks and that community, like all of those things are, are work to understand other religions and beliefs and to find the divine in the midst of those things. There's a lot of people that continue to point and say, well, you just don't have any boundaries. You don't have any belief. You don't have, mm, like, yeah. there's there's nothing. You're just, it's a free-for-all, whatever, man. Hippie love, it's okay. Yeah. Which, okay, I guess there's worse things that could be said about you. Yeah. But for me, what I always come back to is I say, no, we actually do have some some boundaries, if you will. We do, we have four things, just like the Jews had four things. It's yeah. not intentional, but we do have four things. And and that is to be present, to be honest, to be open, and to be the embodiment of love. Like that's what we're here to do together. And so if you want to be on the inside, CMYK, independent of your belief or sexuality or any of that stuff, yeah. if you're present, honest, open, and love, you're in. Yeah. If you don't want to be those things, I'm not mad at you. It's no hard feelings. Yeah, nobody's mad at you. There's probably just a better community out there for you right. that has different boundaries that you can connect with. And yet, on the on this on that same note, I think you and I struggle that you know when people aren't a part of it, it feels like we're not winning. Yeah, like we go, I go back to that struggle all yep. the time of like, well, are we doing what's right yep. by the Billings community or by our faith community or for the people who maybe need a different kind of sacred space? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And and that's why again, this work of Acts fifteen of even in those moments because I do have those moments. Mm-hmm. Is is present, honest, open love really the invitation of Christ? Is it really the good news or gospel yeah. like we've talked about? Because it doesn't seem like there's, you know, it's not the axe moment of like thousands of people being added to their number every day. Right. I, I don't want that. Like that's a headache. But like it causes you to question, am I winning? Is this winning? Is yep. this the right thing? But for me, the work of continually keeping my head up to see what's outside even my own fence and right. my own boundaries and to see that. And to see other churches, yeah, whether the church I came from, uh, the church you came from, communities that I know of around the country, whatever it is, and to see 
that the divine is moving and working even there. And they have their own boundaries. Yeah, and the, yeah, this story should really push you and I to respect our previous church's boundaries mm-hmm. and go, good for them. Yep. I'm glad they've found theirs, and mm-hmm. I'm glad people feel safe, loved, and empowered to pursue their religious belief inside those boundaries. Yeah, yeah. because the divine is moving and working yeah. there, and those boundaries, they connect with lots of people. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of people that are... are, are are wanting to see and find those boundaries for their life. Right. And that, that can be a good and beautiful thing. And just because there's disagreement on boundaries uh, on some of this stuff doesn't mean the divine's not over there. There's right. a thousand acres here. I've got a, you know, a half an acre plot and they've got, you know, a couple hundred acres. Great. Mm-hmm. Good for them. But I can still recognize and see like, okay, there's, there's divine work there and celebrate that and, yeah. and really believe it and see it. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the power. That's the true mysterious power in all of this is us to be able to look at other religious communities and and celebrate the work that they're doing, mm-hmm. which is hard when you leave them and sometimes feel hurt or beat up or betrayed on the way out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Acts 15, man, this story that I, I remember reading it in Bible school and feeling like, well, that was, and then we went into all the different church councils that have happened throughout the years, particularly yeah. in the Catholic church. And it just always felt weird and funky, but the more I dig into it, just like any of these stories, there's something really beautiful and good here. Yeah. So any closing thoughts for you, my friend? I just hope that we all have a sense of permission now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we need it. It's just it's such a weird word to say, but I hope that there's this sense of us of, there's a, there's a lot of ability to move the fence, but you don't always have to. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to have your parameters by which you um, find connection. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like, you know, my, my previous work at Harvest, like, they don't have less value mm-hmm. because my religious beliefs changed. Um, but we have different things to connect over. Mm-hmm. And instead I found a place like CMYK to find that connection. And yeah. I feel, I guess I feel like some levity in my soul in this moment of like, I have that permission mm-hmm. and I get to still celebrate what they're doing in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Well, CMYK community, as always, thank you so much for uh, listening in and being a part of this thing. May you be somebody that is able to see there's a thousand acres here and there's something good, beautiful, mysterious, and divine that's a part of all of this. And may you have eyes that are able to see where God is already moving, already working, where the divine is already present. And rather than closing yourself off to those things, to have these kinds of moments and conversations like in Acts 15 and say, oh, it seems like there's something over here. Do we need to move our boundaries? And may you be somebody that finds us a connection and a belonging with a community of people. And if you're looking for a space in a community, we just want to say, hey, CMYK, the fences are pretty low. <laughs> but we would love it if you wanted to be a part of this thing. So you could literally just step over it. <laughs> you could trip over it on accident. You might miss it. <laughs> it's actually an invisible fence. <laughs> But it's a fence. So we love you. Thank you so much. Those of you that continue to give and are a part of this community, thank you. And we hope to see you not on February 9th, but on February 16th when we're back at Craft Local at 5 p.m. Thanks. And Seth, thanks for joining me. This is fun. Love you.